Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Kyle Davenport here on TalkShoe Live. I tell you, it's been a long time since we've been on TalkShoe. Someone's calling their producer. Yeah, it's been a long time since we have been on TalkShoe. About five years plus, actually. Uh, and uh, it's very interesting to be back on. Obviously, we have got a problem with the station over at Sam Broadcaster, or we would be on Sam tonight. So um, my producer is having to hang up on my guest over and over again. She might want to uh, do something different. That would be great to communicate with the guest, try to figure out another solution here, another route in to talk to you, maybe punch a couple of numbers in, maybe an ID number, a code number or something. But... Anyway, uh, we are having trouble with the station over at SAM, and we will be back up as soon as possible. I don't really know when that's going to be. Tired of making promises I can't keep. So we are working on the station. We are working on getting all the bells and whistles tuned up over there at SAM Broadcaster, and we will be back on as soon as possible. And we did blog talk radio we did blog talk radio for a while that was interesting uh been on blog talk for several years like it i'd rather be there right now it takes um it takes some doing to do a talk show where we are tonight it takes some skill <laughs> to get on the board and to go live um it's very interesting how many buttons one has to push to get on a talk show it's very interesting what guests have to go through to get on the talk show or into the chat room here at TalkShoe. But people have been doing it for years. TalkShoe is very popular, and I've noticed many shows have 150 to 200 people in chat, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, none of my fans came with me over here tonight. Nobody knows I'm here. Um, except just a few people, and they're probably out there listening on some other device, which will not show up here on TalkShoe's uh, analytics. So that's okay. Uh, if we have one person, or if we have a hundred, or a thousand, or a million, it doesn't really make any difference. We're still going to do this talk show. I haven't been on in a while, as you all know. We've been traveling up and down the coast. Uh, been interviewing a lot of different people. We've been working on the Northwest Emergency Response Team. We've been working with uh, mental health. You know we are advocates for mental health. We're on the uh, advisory board here in the Northwest. Um, I hear something out there. Hello, Dale. Hello, hello. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. How's everyone in Radio Land? 
Well, it's uh, you know, it's crazy. I this talk show is something we haven't done in over five years. I just looked at my board and uh, we haven't touched this thing in five years. I was telling everybody the Sam board is down. My Sam broadcaster is down. We're having trouble getting it back up and. My audience isn't here. My fans aren't here, but they'll hear me in post, of course, when we go out on our other 53 platforms, probably utilize 14 or 15 of those platforms, and everybody will hear my voice and your voice on TalkShoe. TalkShoe is a weird machine, man. Let me tell you, it's been around for a long, long time. It's very popular, but hard to navigate, very difficult to navigate, you know? Yeah, yeah, I... um I remember in the dawn of the podcast era and all of that, I remember hearing the name and looking into it a little bit, but um, it's been a long time for sure. Well, I like Sam because Sam gives us, uh, gives us the fire that we need, gives us the rocket fuel that we need with IceCast, and it really gets us out there into the real world of radio and we were on for a long time there with Sam, and then all of a sudden, bang, we went to Windows 10, which we should have never done, but um, <laughs> not going to go into it tonight probably why we did go to Windows 10, as dangerous of a platform as that is, as far as the National Security Agency and Department of Defense and Department of Justice and FBI and CIA and all of the others, MI5 and MI6, but we did it and um, crashed the soundboard. The minute we went to oh. Windows 10, it just ripped the station right out from the roots, you know. And uh-huh. so we're having to rebuild all of that. And also, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dale. I'm just rattling on here. <laughs> well, uh, my name's Dale Wiley. I'm, I'm from Missouri originally. I still live here. Uh, I'm a lawyer. I do um, I do some different kinds of cases. I've in recently I've probably been best known as kind of fighting the big banks and um, and working to help the little guy against the big guy. But I've done criminal defense and some um, uh, personal injury cases as well. And then I also write and I've written a couple of novels that are out there out there available to the world and. Um, got some bigger things coming soon, so that's kind of me in a nutshell. Well, you know, I don't have a distaste for lawyers like many people do, so welcome to the <laughs> well, show. Good. Well, good. I, I, um, I find, you know, I mean, you, you hear everything, and of course what you really hear is everybody likes their lawyer, but they just don't necessarily like the other lawyers they've come up against, or I guess you hope that's what the what everybody's experience is, but yeah, you certainly well, have a lot of people that have strong feelings. Lawyers saved my life. So, um, you know, I oh. wouldn't, uh, I don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for lawyers. Uh, well, yeah. I may be stranded on an Island somewhere in the South Pacific with chains on my feet. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, I had some very powerful, powerful lawyers, uh, and I'll and I'll and I'll go ahead and mention their name. I think I can do that without getting sure. in trouble. Haynes and Boone. Okay, where were they from? And, well, they're all over the world, okay. all over the U.S. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, Haynes and Boone, very powerful, powerful firm, mostly uh, litigation, not a lot of criminal stuff going on over there, but. 
they represented me when I was um, working undercover to uh, investigate Medicare, Medicaid fraud, and senior abuse, and we got caught undercover, uh, had the rug pulled out from underneath our team, and uh, kind of got caught with the cameras inside the nursing homes and uh, was sued by a certain group of people. Uh, very famous case. You'll probably go look it up after the show, but very famous <laughs> case that set presidents uh, all over the world for journalists working undercover. Okay. Well, and that's so... And they saved me because without them, it was a $20 million lawsuit, and I would have been just, I don't know where I'd be. I, 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 have no, I have no clue what I would have done if I hadn't have known them at the time and had been communicating that with them about something totally different, a nonprofit organization, something totally different uh-huh. that they were going to work pro bono with me on. And they had to be in my universe when this all came down, and they agreed to represent me. So I'm very, very, very thankful for for that. <laughs> That's great. Um, what made you interested in the roundtable? Well, uh, my friend Jennifer um, Harwood actually uh, recommended it, and and you know I'm just kind of um, at the the point of uh, I've, I've got a few things going with my writing that's kind of exciting stuff going on. And, and, you know, I just like to get out there and, and be in as many places as I can and mix it up and, um, you know, just kind of see what happens. Well, I'll tell you, anything can happen here, buddy. This is, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've been doing radio for a long time and we've seen our numbers go from zero to, 6,000 to 27,000 on post reach down to four and back to 150 again and back to zero. And now we're headed back up from 154 to 1,044 tonight. So, I mean, our numbers are jumping uh, on post reach on Facebook. I'm talking about not fans, not listeners, but uh, we're getting close to the truth on so many different issues in education and science and uh healthcare, uh government uh mind control, chemtrails, council on foreign relations, trilateral commission, uh the Vatican. We cover a lot of different issues and we try to get to the core, you know, the core of this issue and we try to we try to wade through all the bullshit to get to what what's really trying to be said, what's really happening beyond the mainstream media bullshit. And that's a difficult task for a small crew like ours, and we've we've stepped on a lot of toes out there, a lot of mainstream media toes. We've stopped, we've mm. stepped on a lot of Facebook toes, and they have just clipped my wing so many times. It's unbelievable how many times we've had to start literally over again. Uh-huh. You know, well, it's like know an attorney. It's, it's like being an attorney. I mean, when you start getting closer to the truth, the prosecutor starts pulling out all kinds of shit from underneath <laughs> the table, and you know. Yeah, I mean, right? there's, there's no doubt that any any time you're involved in, you know, major litigation, whether it's criminal or civil or what it is, I mean, you you sometimes, you know, kind of almost have to put your own 
needs aside and just let it fall where it may because i mean there's there's no doubt that you know sometimes it has some ramifications so yeah i I agree with that entirely yeah and radio is no different i mean we are not we're not breaking in 20 million fans a week but we do our part here and you know we have had in the hundreds of thousands of listeners when we were on sam um And we have a lot of platforms. And I, Facebook is a dangerous platform, very, very dangerous platform. It's, uh, without sounding delusional, it's 1984. You know, it's George Orwell's 1984. Oh, yeah. We've all agreed to give our stuff away. You know, they didn't even have to come for it. We just we just throw it out there. We give way too much information out there, I, I think. Definitely, we do. We want to do that. It it almost seems like it's built into us to want to put everything out there, you know, that that we possibly can and let people know where we are, who we're with, who we're dating, who we're having a relationship with, uh, what what country club we go to, what is our hairdresser, where do we shop, where do we eat, what kind of groceries do we buy, what kind of meals are we fixing. I mean, it's amazing – at the stuff that people will put out there and uh they don't realize how how ultimately dangerous and I can't stress it enough I can't stress it enough how ultimately dangerous that is to put your life out there in front of everyone I can only imagine an attorney how you would look at some of this stuff you know your clients putting everything <laughs> on Facebook their whole life history oh, yeah. is on Facebook so oh, now you've crazy. got to go look at their life history on Facebook in order to know what to say in court oh yeah and and what um you know just the I, I mean just and I can't think of any examples as we sit here but just the the things that people are willing to share that you know e- even just when it puts them in a bad light I mean there's just sometimes that We've just lost our total ability to, you know, to understand what what even sounds good. You know, I mean, it's if it if it's said, we just need to immediately post it, and and we, you know, we confuse that sort of just flying off the handle with, oh well, I'm being honest, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, you can be honest and keep your mouth shut. I mean, there's those yeah. two are not not mutually exclusive and and you know i just i see that a lot of people that just they equate you know verbosity with um wisdom or something along those lines and and you know really kind of thinking about what's out there and there have been a few times when i've just flat out said get that off of there right now before you you know make any moves or do anything else because that's it's just so it's just so you know anathematic or whatever you want to say to your cause and you know you're trying to win the yeah. lawsuit and you're conceding this yeah. point or you're saying this or saying that it's just really a terrible way to do things well you should only accept clients who are on the dark web and tour you know you shouldn't accept any mainstream <laughs> Facebook clients, <laughs> only those in the yeah. dark underworld, you know. There you go. <laughs> but now, you know, how 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 do you explain that, Dale, to a judge? I mean, how do you how do you work in court with someone who's spread their? Maybe this is new to you. Maybe maybe you and I are a new subject, sort of, kind of <laughs> new. 
how do you deal with that whenever you're in court and you've got the prosecutor ramming down on this guy or girl and and you're trying to represent them and all of a sudden they've told 25 lies and all of a sudden the prosecution comes out with their whole Facebook history and slams you know, it on the desk. You I, know. I actually have to say that for the most part, um, my clients haven't done too bad in that sense. You know, one thing I really think that, that people miss the boat on about lawyering is I think a lot of times people say, oh, well, I'm going to get a good lawyer, so I'm going to do this, that, or the other. And the at least in my you know 17 years of experience, the lawyer is as good as the client, you know, because, it, I mean, I don't care what you're doing. If, if the client has a position that's indefensible, I mean, lawyer can help some, but yeah. uh, it just always seems to me that your your ability to be a good lawyer is, is greatly tied to the people that your case, you know, their, their case you're going to be championing. And so I guess that, you know, what, what I try to do is I just try to see how this person is coming across or how they're presenting themselves. And, uh-huh. you know, if it's, if it's too much, if it's kind of over the top, you, yeah. you want to try to warn them about that. But then, you know, there are other times when, um, you know, I mean, I, there times I've seen things where somebody is, um, you know, or they want to badmouth the system or they want to badmouth the judge. And of course that's a horrible idea, but right. I, I've, I've had a few times I've got a case. I, I really, really don't take divorce cases very often anymore, but I've got a divorce case coming up and, and, you know, the guy just can't keep himself from saying the wrong, you know, and luckily I'm representing the gal, but just can't keep himself from saying stupid things on his text messages. And you know, every boy, time, every boy, time boy. the client just screen, screenshots it and sends it over to me, and it's just like it's one more for the hopper. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's even yeah. when people are doing it in their own disinterest, I mean, it's just amazing how um, powerful technology is in the hands of people that have grown up with nothing else. Uh, they, uh-huh. they don't know uh-huh. how that. I mean, they don't know how to be discreet. No, no, they don't. They don't. I, I, um, I'll tell you, you can probably picture me sitting at this long, long table with three major attorneys right across the table from me bearing me down and then all of their little interns and minions sitting beside them and then my row of seven to eight attorneys sitting on my side and then the court reporter at the end and you can probably uh, just feel what I was going through being interrogated as an undercover operative by these attorneys and having to lie through my teeth, you know, in front of a grand jury, uh, and, and, and get operative co-op operative special ops, uh, uh, of these secrets and lies and videotape and attorneys pinching me on the leg and tapping me with certain codes. And I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I should, you know, I should write a book about it. Um, I was just 
pegged as this old country boy with a camera going in these nursing homes and taking pictures of abuse and neglect. And I was pegged as this old country boy uh, who somehow got hooked into working for the governor of the state of Texas undercover. Uh-huh. Uh, it was it was the most bizarre case. I don't know. It, it was just it was just all bizarre. I mean, everything that came out of my mouth was so highly scripted and so well prepared and so pinched and twisted on the leg. I don't see how we made it through to summary judgment. I don't see how we made it through at all without getting caught. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, you know, when you've got those, you know, seven and eight figure um, matters that are, you know, riding on your shoulders, I mean, there's a whole lot going on when that happens. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, some of the questions they would ask me, I couldn't, I couldn't answer. I couldn't tell the truth because it would have hurt too many people and it would have hurt too many witnesses and it would have hurt too many of our informants and it would have yeah. blown our case, you know, and the judge threatened me several times to put me in jail for not revealing my sources. I'm sure you've uh-huh. been, well, I don't know if you've ever been through that, but uh, they can get very serious about journalists. See, they were trying to put me in a journalist category. They didn't know where to put me. They couldn't uh-huh. figure out where to put me. That's one thing that helped my case. Was I a country boy with a camera? Was I a <laughs> journalist? Was I a consultant? Was I an advisor? Was uh-huh. I an agent? So you you can't really prosecute someone unless you can put them in a situation with a label. Well, I think that, I mean, of course, when you're talking about things that touch on the First Amendment, I mean, obviously you're you're talking about stuff that, that can really get specific and and can have a whole lot of, um, you know, different directions that it can spin off. But I think that, I mean, you know, anytime when you're, taking on in addition to everything else when you're then, you know, dealing with how the Constitution sees certain things, then uh, you've really got something you've got to be careful of. You know, it's funny. The Constitution never came up during these cases. It's interesting Hmm. you say that because the Constitution never came up on my side or their side. It was that that was really weird. Uh, A $20 million lawsuit, you would think. You would think, well, hello, producer, Kazuntite. Um, you would think the Constitution would have came up or something within the Constitution, right? Well, you would think the First Amendment would touch on anybody, whether they're considered to be a journalist or not, and how that's protected and what their sources are, and et cetera, et cetera, and whether that's a viable defense or not. I mean, you know, it sounds like those things would have been at the front of that for sure. And we were trespassing, obviously, trespassing on all of these homes that we went into, lying about who we were, lying about where we came from, lying about what our objective was to be in the home in the first place, lying about our team. Uh, You know, we weren't there to do birthday parties and sing songs and play the piano (laughs) and wear funny hats and dance. We were there to go undercover to bust the shit out of these people for abuse. Sure. 
And while my team was distracting them, we had all of our aides crawling up the fire escapes and chunking, uh, sneaking in windows and back doors and secret codes and radios and all of this other stuff. You know, you would have thought they would have slammed us to the wall for all of that, but the the whole trial turned out to be none of that. So anyway, uh-huh. I'll stop there. It's just it's just amazing. <laughs> Maybe one day when we get to know each other better, I'll send you my deposition. It's worth a look. There you go. <laughs> How many years ago was that? That's uh, 1997. Okay. All right. About 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Glad you, glad you got out of that experience. That's, that's not well, fun to be on that side. We got out with a, um, a standoff. It was a standoff. It was, uh, uh-huh. you know. Neither, neither, or uh, guilty or not. But uh-huh. um, considering where you were, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've been doing radio for a, for a while now, and I love it. And the station is growing. You know, obviously our platforms are growing, and I want to do this uh, roundtable uh, where we can bring different experiences to the table, different ideas. I want to talk about different things about what's going on. I don't want to be politically correct. I don't like PC at all. Right. Uh, I want to talk about this Muslim invasion. I want to talk about the Syrians and the Jordanians and the Turkey. I want to talk about what's going on with uh, with, with Mr. Trump and Mr. Cruz and Miss Hillary and all of this other entertainment that I call it. It's all entertainment yeah. now that we know that uh, presidents are appointed and not elected. I've been around the circuit long enough and working in the state house and working in the General Assembly long enough to know that presidents are appointed now. They're not elected. Did you know that? <laughs> I have been um, a – I've I've watched the American political system for, you know, basically my entire life. My, my dad was involved with some um, state and national politics, so I've definitely formed my own opinions about um, how these things are done. And I, I do have to say I – the other day I came up with the concept, you know, I really think we don't have uh, presidential candidates this time around. I feel like we've got a a new, you know, HBO sitcom that we're watching. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. one of these goofballs has a different role. We've got the zany uncle who yells a lot, and we've got the crazy rich guy that's um, going to buy his way through, and we've got the... Mm-hmm you know, frigid, uh, great aunt. And we've got, uh, you know, I mean, we've got the ones that <laughs> don't even make any sense. And, you know, I mean, just every one of them, you can assign them their role. Well, you know, the, you know, there's yeah. over 463 people running for president, right? Oh, I know. I know. I mean, and, and probably one of them is Harold Stassen. He did it for, for 40 years, but, um, yeah, yeah there's some, there's some pretty interesting, People. Well, no, interesting is not – interesting is too good of a word. We've yeah. got some, some people who have major, major flaws. Not one of these candidates, I, I mean, is has the complete package, not even close. And I just cannot think of a year when this field was so devoid of anybody – legitimate and i mean that on both sides of the coin i'm just i'm really disappointed 
Well, what I'm most disappointed about is the fact that people still believe in the electoral process and the electoral college. People still believe that everything is normal and everything is mechanical and all laid out in a certain direction in a certain way. And it's not. It's not. It's not. It's already pre-programmed. It's already pre-planned. Everything is already set in stone. They know exactly who's going to be in that office and exactly what they're going to do. We have a one-party system. We do not have a two-party system. We have a one-party system. All these guys and gals end up working for the same cabal when it's all said and done. And that's what I wish we could get across to the American people, and this conversation would change drastically. We could change the conversation and start moving in a proper direction if we could get that across to the American people. Well, I think that, I mean, the only thing that I would say to that is that I do think that, um, I, I think that what's really been lost over the last 30 or 40 years and it's been because of the fact that everybody has a voice and some of those voices are pretty dumb and I mean there's a lot of different reasons for it but I think that I mean I I do have to say that I do believe that the American people have effectively lost their voice by their own repeated bad choices in how in how they deal with politics i do believe that if they would if they would truly band together to talk about what they agree on instead of what they fight against i think they could regain that voice but it would take on it would take on a level of consciousness that i think the american you know people have lost in the midst of what am i going to buy on amazon and you know, what's on TV tonight. Well, Um, Dale, 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 you bring up such a good point. You bring up such a powerful, powerful point. And with our presidential uh, folks that we have uh, interviewed, Tom Euford being one of them, a good friend of mine who's running for president on the independent ticket, Tom Euford, uh, we've talked about this and we argue about this a lot. Tom's kind of coming over to my side. Tom came into this whole presidential thing uh, in my opinion, kind of naive. Hello, Tom, you're listening out there probably. <laughs> but kind of naive, you know, and still believing in the political process to the point of being a fifth grader. And I said, look, Tom, you've got to stop looking at this like it's a uh, an algorithm. It's not. It's uh, it's an Well, it's an algorithm, all right, but it's not one that's conducive to uh, the people, uh, the voters, the electorate, um, People do not get involved anymore, and I'm involved in the county. I'm involved in the city. We're involved in the state. I sit on boards. I'm an advocate for the mentally ill. We're advocates for senior citizens, obviously, and we're on these boards. We're fighting with these top guns out there, these politicians. We know how they think. We know what they're up to. We know know the game, you know, and most average citizen, though, does not give a shit about what you and I are talking about tonight. They might listen. They might get excited. They might hang up and never think of it again. They're not involved in their local county. They're not involved in their local city. 
they're not getting out there learning how the legislature works and learning how the Congress works and learning how bills are passed and tabled or not tabled and learning what's available in their community where they can spread their voice and have their voice heard. So what is going on with that, Dale? What is going on with our people? Why have they become so dumbed down because of the fluoride and the chemtrails <laughs> and the well, uh, I, I all think the toxins? I mean, I think you can have a variety of explanations for why, but I think the thing I'm, you know, most concerned about is, you know, I mean, the thing that just makes me sad is that everybody has abdicated that, you know, place that, that made our government great. And, you know, the way that I see it is that's the thing that we, I, I, we can have a thousand different whys and we're never going to fully agree or understand on that. But it's just the, what we've done that I think is, is just so to our own disservice, we've allowed that to happen. We, uh, we, we really don't have the faculties that we once did. Now, you know, I think you can find in these strange places, little, things that if you wanted to, you could be excited about. And to me, the greatest one is, um, you know, that silly University of Missouri protest. I mean, that mm-hmm. showed who has the, has the power. And mm-hmm. they didn't mm-hmm. even, you know, really think about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, one day later, that power was used in a, in a way that most of us right now can't even dream about. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I say it's not totally gone. It's something that we can um, find a way to, um, you know, I mean, we we can find our way to get there again. It's just that it's like some sort of movie where we don't even know we have that power. We don't even know that we've got it. And that might be a good script for a movie or something, you know, I mean, that this is buried so deeply. And, and, you know, I do think that the one thing, regardless of your political leanings, regardless of your, you know, feelings about what's going on, I do think that the people that are controlling it, whether we call them the Koch brothers or whether we, you know, however we want to refer to them, they are, the one thing they would all have in common is they don't want us to realize the power that we have, the power that we could access and mobilize in ways that would be much more efficient than we've ever done before. And and they really don't want us to grasp a hold of that concept. Well, I've ran with the jet set, and I've spent eight to ten to 15000 bucks a night back in the day, back in my heyday, and I've ran with those who ran with Netanyahu, I've ran with those who ran with the Dalai Lama. I've swam with some of the movie no. stars. I, <laughs> the movie you know, stars and Dalai Lama, they're going to give you two entirely different experiences. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying, though, no, not really. See, this is the well, thing. You've never swam naked with a Dalai Lama. The whole <laughs> thing is the whole thing is not necessarily so. When you get people at a party, when you get people at some of these parties I've been to where we blow 10 or 15 grand a night and we're on one yacht and then another yacht and then another yacht and then another yacht, uh, you learn very quickly that that is a different universe completely to the common commoner, 
to the oh, commoner. Sure. And I yeah. was a commoner, and I was in. I infiltrated these groups because of some people that I just happened to be privileged to know. I was able to infiltrate these jet set groups and able to listen to the way they talk, the way they think, the way they spend money, the way they invest money. And it's a whole different world from the commoner. It's a completely different world. They look at right. the commoner like sheep, like a herder looks at sheep. Oh, sure they they do. don't even take into consideration the commoner. They don't even take into consideration the person that goes to 7-Eleven and has trouble buying a pack of cigarettes or yeah. has trouble buying a loaf of bread. That's not right. even in their vocabulary. Oh, yeah, it's clearly not. And uh, the commoners who have those troubles and are, who, are, who are on the welfare state, uh, sucking off the welfare state, using the welfare state, benefiting from the welfare state, they don't have time to do all of these, these things with the county that I do in the city because I'm disabled and I'm able to go to these board meetings. I'm able to go to these advisory meetings. I'm able to sit there at the desk and, and the chair and talk about these big issues and fight for the commoner. I wish everybody would be able to do that, but people are so busy chasing their tail, trying to pay rent and car payment and insurance and this and that and the electric and the gas and the water and that and the other. They don't have time to get involved. Well, in the and not only anymore. that, not only that, but they're also um, in a place where um, when they do these things, then they've just decided that there are these certain issues that they have to support and they end up really undermining their own interests. They they end up undermining the people that, you know, really, at least in theory, would be if they represented them and, and you know, got past the poli- political promise, promises would be able to do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, certainly... Uh, being a trial lawyer, uh, certainly I know exactly what you're talking about with the nursing home abuses and things like that. But now, you know, with Medicaid and Medicare and supplements and everything else, well, you know, everybody else is just going to drop drop them off and believe their brochures and read, you know, see those mm-hmm. pictures and decide that's what's mm-hmm. going on, and that's mm-hmm. going to be the way that they approach the entire. You know, I mean, it's that. There's, we've we've just decided that comfort is the greatest thing we can aspire to, mm-hmm. and um, and I just think that that's where everything breaks down because you know I mean comfort is a nice thing but it should not be above the safety and care of your loved ones and even if you have to do something I mean sometimes the person has to step up to the plate and not just, you know, assume and that you're going to abdicate, you know, your entire set of responsibilities. I have to walk a fine line. I have to walk such a fine line. I'm, I'm educated. I'm experienced. I've been down the road. I've went with all of these different kinds of people from these different stratas. And when I walk into these board meetings, they hate to see me coming. My oh, God, squirm. <laughs> They squirm and they worm and they squirm and they put their head in their hand and, oh, my God, they can't stand to see me coming. Here comes this poor guy with no money, with blue jeans and a T-shirt and my old coat from Goodwill 
and I've been with the filthy rich, and I've worked with these bastards behind closed doors on Capitol Hill. I know how they think. I know how the machine works. And, man, I have to walk a fine line. I have to be so careful with the way I present myself. I have to be so careful if I'm chairing the board, uh, which I do sometimes chair the board. I have to be so careful how I speak. I have to be very careful how I articulate my words and my body language because, you know, you don't want to make enemies. You don't want to piss people oh. off to the point where they think you're delusional or you're crazy right. or they just get a dislike right. for you. So you have to be sure. you have to be careful how you handle – and that's manipulation. That's coercion. Uh, you know, you have to be manipulative. It's, it's, it's manipulative against manipulative, coercive against coercive, uh, crooked against crooked. You, you, it's really a game of spy versus spy. Is what it uh-huh. is. Well, you know? I think that I mean I think that you know in any of this, and and this goes back to my theory about kind of uh, you know what I think is is going on with a lot of the problems that we have is that you know to a certain extent people have kind of lost their um, their understanding of what humanity is. And they're because I mean what you're saying there is that you have to meet people to some greater or lesser extent where they are. That mm-hmm. you're never going to get anything done that you want done or you want them to come see or come believe if if they're not even gonna find the the wherewithal to to even walk down the street with you. Right and, to listen and to so, you. And so I, I just think that when you're talking about all that stuff, that you're, what you're really talking about is just that basic need that we have to make some sort of common ground. And when everybody can go live on their Facebook and just write a lot of exclamation points and a lot of capital letters, and yeah. when we can, you know, when we've been trained to, you know, press this for customer service and all of that to where the Mm -hmm. people that we're talking to don't have any community that they're sharing. They don't have any other than Mm -hmm. maybe a five on the, or a nine on the one to nine scale, they're going to be asked to be rated. You know, Mm -hmm. we've just, we've taken those elements and we've removed them. And now that you can take a video game and shoot the person in the head and not have any remorse that the person they're, you know, the realistic way they're dying, when you do all of those things, then you've just removed the element from of humanity that you're talking about, then needing to reconnect with to have any sort of hope of moving people in, in greater numbers. And so, you know... And you have just, to be... You also have to be skilled at cutting through the bullshit. Well, you do, but if you're not... I mean, it's one of those things that's only useful if you've gotten people to a position that they're going to let you be that frank with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you haven't well, when you're stuck in a board, when you're stuck in a board meeting for three hours, you, you kind of get close, whether you like it or not. Well, but but I'm not talking about your board. I'm talking about the people that are coming in in a you know to hear the the 
open to any of the board or right you know consumer you know the consumers and the you're talking about yes you want to make those connections with the people that you're in the room with but right. it's it's the other part of that as well and and you know what I would just say is that's you know I mean that's what Aristotle says man is a political animal I mean mm-hmm. um, you know I mean starting back there and moving on I mean that's what you're talking about is living in a community and and learning how you know that community works and moving it in a certain way and I feel like what you're expressing is a different version of what I'm expressing which mm-hmm. is we need to learn to restart that game and re reengage everybody because if mm-hmm. we only look at them as some way that they can't be reached then guess what they're not going to be reached but, well, like, but you were talking them. about you're, you're an attorney, so you know how long the courts have gotten their way. You know how long the judges sure. have gotten their way and the appellate courts sure. have gotten their way. And uh-huh. the legal the legal ease and the prosecutor knows his business or her business generally. They're just business as usual. Run them through like cattle, get them in, get them out, shut them up, shut them down, put them in jail. Uh, but somebody comes in there who really knows their shit and an attorney that's really willing to know the law and how the law works and how the law functions and how it doesn't function and somebody who's really willing to put in the work can really screw a court up, shut a court down. Sure. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you can have, you know, you can have people that have that effect on any level, but, but I mm-hmm. guess that's why I guess on all of those levels, um that's what I'm also saying. I I just don't think that I, I think the greatest thing that we risk when we try to eliminate everybody's own personal responsibility for what happens is mm-hmm. I think we we risk our ability to believe that we can change anything. And I do believe that that's there and I do believe that that we can and that we don't realize the power that we have because every one of those agencies or things that you've just listed or principalities or whatever you want to call them, all of those have been brought down when a, you know, when a populace has the mind to do so. And, you know, one of the best examples I could give you was um, a few years ago, we had a uh, in the little town where I'm from. We had a um, a gal who was a city council member, and she was um, she ended up in this very bizarre situation at her own house when she had done nothing wrong to allow anyone to feel like they had any reason to harass her, and mm-hmm. instead they came on her property and caused such a commotion and such a weird situation that they ended up, um, one of the officers ended up tearing her ACL and causing her to have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in in medical bills and everything else when Mm -hmm. she was doing nothing wrong. And and we had a very popular sheriff at the time who was, uh, I think anyone would have considered him to be untouchable in an election. And um, I I was called and asked to represent a few of the people involved in this. And 
was calling to very nicely say to the sheriff, hey, we know that you didn't have, you weren't riding around with these guys. You didn't know there was anything wrong, you know, whatever. And before mm-hmm. I could get off the phone call, I was told, well, this gal was drunk and that was released to the media when she hadn't had a drink and everything mm-hmm. else. Well, we had video. We had mm-hmm. video of what had happened. And I hadn't mm-hmm. intended to make that a big deal. But, you know, the next day, once we, once my clients had been accused of everything under the sun, we mm-hmm. went, we put it on YouTube. And guess what? Oh, oh, oh. Later, the, the sheriff was was beaten down with a two-to-one vote against, which was oh. just completely, you know, incomprehensible. Right. And and what I just have to say is, you know, it's that sort of thing that, you know, the, the right words, the right message, uh, you know, the right things can be delivered if, you know, people just are, you know, can see something and be willing to to support it and get behind it because that, I mean, that was just impossible. That that would. I think happened. a big, I think a big thing you just said is people willing to get beho- get behind it and support it. I think that's the problem nowadays. Also, with people, is we need to work with each other. We need to be yeah. able to work alongside each other. We need to be able to tell the truth as much as the truth may hurt, like a client that you're working with. They need to tell you. The whole truth and well, nothing but and, the truth. And, and we need to tell them because a lot of times lawyers do a disservice by telling the clients what they want to hear instead right. of telling what's going to happen when they get to the courthouse. And right. I see that all of the time. And yeah, I, I think do it's too. Just, and, you know, and, and I remember when I was when I had not been involved in law very long, and what I was really struggling with was I would get appointed to these cases where I would have to represent the kids in abuse or neglect situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but you're having to sit there and you're having to find a way to connect with parents and you're, you're finding a way to do something um, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> you're human. You're, you're sitting alongside these people. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that I found an answer on how to do that about, you know, how to basically um, talk to the people about their kids being taken away is I would, I would say to them, um, I was, um, I would say to them, okay, I'm going to tell you right now, I absolutely want you to get your children back. Mm-hmm. I don't have any Problems about that. You're the best person that you can be to be their parent. That's what I want. But I'm representing your child, and mm-hmm. I won't put your interests ahead of this child's interests. And so here's right. what we're going to do. Here's the list. This is the list. If you do this list, if you cross this list off, I will be your fiercest advocate, and I will absolutely make sure that those kids come back to you. You're but wonderful, you Dale. Do list, but if you don't do the list, you're not getting your kid back because your right. kid is what I'm here to protect. And, yeah. you know, the, the fact was most of the people didn't do the list. Most of the people of just 
you know, had their own demons, had their own struggles, whatever. Yeah. But if yeah. they did the list, they got their kids back. And yeah. so that was how I could that was how I learned to convey that very tough message to mm-hmm. you know, people that needed to hear it, which is list list here's works what better you do. than opinions. List works sure. better than opinions. Right. right. But but you know, I mean on all of it it's just you've got to learn that whatever it is, but but you've also got to learn that you can say, you know, that you can tell the truth without being harmful or hurtful or, uh, you know, whatever else. I mean, you can tell the truth and still have the humanity there to mm-hmm. recognize what the people are going through. And mm-hmm. and so that's why I very strongly feel that there's a way to do all of this without um, – you know, I think we get caught up in rhetoric, and we we want to, um, oh, you know, yeah, we, we do right, and we want to do everything else. And I just feel very strongly that there's a way to do much of this, being very well grounded in what we need to do to be you a know, community or communicate. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be right. I just want things to work out for both parties. Oh, I agree. In a situation. In a situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, But I think that I think that so often where we are now, um, I I think that there are so many people that want, you know, because of the way the internet is and everything else, they they don't even realize they can just demonize people to such a great extent. And that's the same problem of not having to be there with somebody when you're saying just the horrible things that people say about each other on the internet and everything else. Yeah. And, and I just, I want us to find a way that, you know, we can kind of get back to talking to each other and, you know, affirming kind of where everybody is. And, and I just, I feel like that's what we've, you know, what we've lost. Well, you're going to be perfect for this roundtable if you hang around because that's exactly what I want to do is get people talking. I want to get people talking. I want to get people thinking. I want to push people to the edge of their seat when it comes to thinking about thinking, you know, thinking about thinking. And uh-huh. uh, I, I want to try to bring people's inner thoughts out, their inner core thoughts out. That's difficult to do, although I seem to be able to do it well on air. I've done it for years. I seem to be able to get people talking. Um, there's so much bullshit on air, too, like being oh, yeah. on Facebook. You know, when you're on air, you can do things and say things that you don't have to right. be accountable for later yeah. in the morning. And <laughs> And I always try to think that I am accountable for it in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee. I'm accountable for what sure. I said tonight with, with, with Dale Wiley, you know. And um, so what do you think about mandatory sentencing? I didn't want to throw you off too far, but I wanted to get that in. What do you think about mandatory sentencing? I I dislike it greatly. and And my reason for it is the same way my reason for any of this, the reason why you have a judge is so that the judge can judge, you know, and, and I, I just don't think that it's, 
I mean, now I realize maybe, you know what, you can carve out a few specific horrific offenses that, that yeah, 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 yeah. apply to. Yeah. But I'm talking yeah. about the drug sentencing and things like that that we yeah. all know have become a real problem. And what right. I can tell you is I, I, I just don't know of anything that makes anything any worse than than the mandatory minimum sentencing that has been in um effect in um in you know federal courts and it's I know just, lawyers that I know lawyers that just shudder when you mention the word mandatory sentencing they oh, shudder yeah. because it just takes out the ability to show something that would legitimately bring across another result and you know I mean that's really what what lawyers are paid to do is to mm-hmm. is to differentiate between this one and that one and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and that's what and and that's why I just think there is um, I mean I just think that should be the first thing, and certainly for drug crimes that should just be eliminated. But of course, mm-hmm. if you want to use Exhibit A in talking about. Um, you know, the bad parts of the system, mandatory minimums, I mean, you know, truthfully, if you want to get into um, a, a mind control or a, not 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 a mind control, but but certainly a um, holding something over someone's head, I mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. what mandatory minimums do is, you know, there's just yeah. a class of people that get hit hurt, get hurt harder by it. And, what do you think... Um, what do you think about jury nullification notices? Well, I think that I think jury nullification happens, um, and you know, frankly, I can't say that it happens enough. <laughs> I mean, do you think, think that, do you think someone should be arrested for passing out jury nullification notices three blocks from the courthouse? No. Uh, well, yes, I think if they're I think if they're doing it without having any um, I mean, I think that anybody that's, you know, impeding the neutrality of that process should be dealt with, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, for, for one side or the other. It, but, I mean, if it happens when it gets in the jury room, I, I think that's a perfectly valid thing to do. To vote your conscience. To, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that there are things that if, if that's what a jury comes up with and and you know of course i can't say that i've ever seen that too much i mean most of the time juries are very conscientious and they're very keen on doing what it is that they've been asked to do it's just that um you know interpreting some of that isn't always the easiest thing yeah okay you know okay. i once I... had a, i once had a jury trial that I was representing a kid, and um, he was he was charged with rape, and I really thought the kid was a shithead, but I didn't think he was guilty of rape. And yeah. the, there were a lot of kid, there were a lot of people around this house. There was a lot of ways where somebody could have been raped, but or you know, but it wasn't this kid that did it. And mm-hmm. so I um, I tried that case, and um, had the jury, I think it was eight to four for not guilty. And mm. then we let them divine, we let them divine a word. 
and I would have sworn to you that the definition of that word would have made my case worse, and and it, instead wow. it made it better. We ended up with eleven to one for not guilty, and the twelfth guy just wasn't going to change his mind, and the yeah. the, pros, the prosecutor never retried that because he knew that it should have been twelve to nothing for guilt for not guilty. Yeah, but yeah. but what I'm just saying is I've always found that jurors they may may not agree with all of them. I may not. Um, you know, I mean, I may not have agreed with their rationale, but I sure found that I um, agreed that they were doing everything they could to do their jobs. Well, let me let me ask you the tough question now with all the Muslims uh, coming into the United States and 1.6 billion Muslims on the planet uh, and 300 and I'd say 300 million plus are for Sharia law and are very firm behind Sharia law. The last five polls and all of my personal research uh, and all the writing going on all over the world with Muslims, including here in the United States and Chicago and New York, and then now Australia is being turned upside down by Sharia what is your opinion on closing the borders and getting rid of the Muslims that are here until we can get all of this figured out and learn to vet, uh, make a vetting process that's going to work better than the one that we have now? Well, I, um, I'm not for any of that. Uh, part of that's a personal thing where I went to college and had many Muslim friends who at the time were in a, very um, uh, pro-Israel, pro-Jewish situation at that college and became mm-hmm. friends with a number of them. And, uh, you know, I mean, I I can't say enough about, you know, my friends that are in that spot, grown up in that, and all the trouble that they're having to deal with now. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my feeling is that, um, you know, if you go back to what caused the the radical islam it was you know it was the pro oil policies of the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s I'm glad and, you said and that just, and and just the incredible um you know incredible bad decisions of choosing to just absolutely dishonor um some some things that we had agreed to do and and you know you didn't have this kind of mass um, bombing in the same way, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. It just didn't happen. And um, and so my my belief is that you know when you use these numbers and you use you know polling that who even knows if people understand what questions are being asked. Well, those numbers, is. those those you know, 1.6 billion Muslims. That's a good that's sure. a good number. Sure. And two hundred two hundred I think it was two hundred and fifty seven million Muslims uh over a period of twelve years, uh, three different universities came up with those numbers uh of those who were in favor of Sharia law. That makes total that makes total sense to me. Now how those numbers are dispersed throughout the world and where those specific polls were taken, I do not know. Sure. But I know that 300 million Muslims for Sharia law with our pro-Muslim uh, administration 
that's a hell of a lot of Muslims who want Sharia. Well, okay, let's look at it like this, though. You didn't hear these kind of numbers. You didn't hear this talk when, you know, 25, 30 years ago. No, and, and, and now, now, hold on. Hold on. Let me get to my point here. So let's okay. say, let's now, say, sure. <laughs> let's say that um, the way that Americans have viewed Muslims has been changed great, greatly from the, um, you know, the attack of 1993 on the World Trade Center, the attack of 2001, and then the two recent attacks. Yeah. Um, in you know here, including one of yeah. which was which was on French soil. Now, just think about the same thing when realizing that now, since 2001 or 2002, however you want to call that, we've been attacking Muslim people every day in those countries. And what I just have to say is. How much does that color their opinion of America? And how much does that color their views on what sort of law should be implemented? And I just don't think that, you know, I mean, you look at how outraged we are, and rightfully so, when, when someone comes at us and, and attacks us. And then you real, but, but no one seems to realize that, you know, part of the big problem with the way that the Americans under Bush and Obama have handled these situations is that they're not being targeted enough and they're not being pinpointed enough and they're killing babies and they're killing families and they're Well I think it's the vetting I think it's the vetting process that keeps coming up over and over and over. This word vetting, you know, this word checking records and checking uh their background and trying to find out where they come from, what mosque they come from, what tribe they come from, what group they come from, what ethnic whatever. So I think that's yeah. the the big word now is vetting, vetting, vetting. But, but don't you think that you could? Don't, but don't you think that you could say that if they've done this vetting and if it's led, because we can't really say that we're doing France's job for them. So if we can say that we've done three of those in you know in twenty some years, then it seems to me that the vetting job has been done very well. Right and. You know, and and I guess what I'm just saying is, I just feel that the past month or two, I I just think that the people that want division and want chaos and want us to deviate from the thing that's made us great, which is the fact that we are willing to back the underdog and we are willing to let someone guilty go if it's not 12 to nothing for them. The things that have made America truly unique, it just seems like we're being hammered away saying, oh, you've got to do this. You've got to – well, you know what? Safety is not another word for freedom. They're not the same things. I got in trouble one night. I got in trouble one night for saying that you're you're more likely to be struck by lightning on the same night as to be involved in a terrorist attack. And I sure. got all kinds of horrible Absolutely. people calling me. Yeah. And a fear mongering. You know, there's a lot of fear mongering going on right now with the administration. 
thoughts and questions that are involved in these things, and we never really know what's going on. We really, we really never know what the agenda really is. You know, like guys like you and I, we can guess. You know, we can make educated guesses, but we really don't know. And then again, you see Syria, uh, you see all of this exodus out of Syria. Okay, they're refugees. Okay, maybe they're not refugees. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. And then you see all men coming in and no women coming in. That's That doesn't look real real safe. That doesn't look real good. And then you have yeah. these last few bombings. The terrorists did come out of the Syrian group. That doesn't look too good for the for the Muslims. But I agree with you in a way that we've overblown this thing to a point. We've blown it so far out of proportion that you want to just slap Muslims on the street now when you go to Safeway. It's like, you know, get out of my way. I mean, it's we're we're really making it hard for any good Muslims out there who are not practicing jihad, who are not practicing Sharia law, who are not wanting violence and molestation and homosexuals beheaded, we're really making it tough on these people to have families and to live here in the United States peaceably. Right. right. And, you know, just between, uh, you know, different people that I represent and then my friends and, and everything else, I just, I just really see that um, I you mean, and I are going to take a lot of shit for this tonight. <laughs> well, I've got broad shoulders. <laughs> I, so do you I. Know, my, my, my view is that we're losing more than we're gaining if we're doing that because there's no way to, um, to totally eliminate any of this. What, what we can just hope to do is foster a climate where people can understand that we're not the bad guys, that we're the well, ones who want to help everybody. If you've ever read the Quran, I've got it here, you know, if you've ever read the Quran, it does say kill the infidel, it does say cut the homosexuals' heads off, it does say molest the children, it does say you can have sex with an 11-year-old or a 10-year-old, it does say it does say all of those things very strongly and over and over and over and over again. And in all of my Pakistani contacts and all of my Afghanistan contacts and all of my other Muslim contacts, uh, they tell me that children are from birth are trained to kill with a butcher knife. And I've, I've seen the videos. I've talked to my Muslim friends who are here in Oregon. And uh, they're, they're afraid also because you know sure. what happens if you, come out of, uh, if you come out of that religion, you're killed. No questions asked. Uh, well, I, I think that, you know, in, in looking at all of this, I mean, because, you know, you could, I mean, you know, I, I made a decision, oh, it's probably been 10 years ago now, that I was going to read. And number one, I have, uh, I did take a, a class on the Quran. And, um, of course, one of the brilliant things about that was the, the professor who, I just thought, you know, was a really good guy and really liked him. You know, he made a point to kind of take some of the words and the, you know, with the translations and show how, you know, things were looked at differently than than the way they were said previously. And, you know, maybe wow. didn't have the exact same connotations. And I, listen, that's been, what, 20 23 years ago, so I can't give you any examples other than he felt that that there was kind of a 
part of the book that seemed to be very pro-male, very anti-female, he felt like the word that was used um, was a gender-neutral, you know, word and not one that was given this kind of male connotation by many generations of translators. Well, have you you listened lately? Have you listened lately to the news that's not been prescripted and not been pre-organized and pre-ordained and uh, pre-choreographed? Have you listened to the real news and listened to the imams, imams, imams? Who are saying well, the imams? Who are who are saying we're going to kill America? We're going to take America out? We're going to and, overthrow and America? What, and, and what I'm just saying is, the imams are the translators. Yeah. I mean, the imams are the people that are not maybe giving the best words in the same way. The best that, words? <laughs> no, they're not. They're not using the correct words to say what is on those pages. And what I'm saying is, of course, we know the same thing happens in Christianity all of the time. And if you read... All of the time, yeah. Well, I mean, you know that Christianity is as misquoted as anything. I mean, it's been... The most violent religion on the planet besides uh, Islam. And, And, you know, of course, what I always say about that is if you read... Lamentations and read, um, you know, some of the Old Testament stuff. I mean, you come up with a yep. wildly different. And what I started to say was your daughter. Yeah. Well, and yeah. and and you know all of the things that um, are in there. And when I when I made a vow to to read the Bible cover to cover, started about ten years ago. That was an eye opening thing for me to realize how much context you had to add to the Bible to get anything useful out of it. You know, you have right. to give it. The, and, and in fact, to me, I, I liked that experience because it kind of gave me a feeling that I wasn't doing such a bad job in exploring that stuff because there's just so much of it and you have to read it, uh, you know, in your way because there's just no way to give that a universal reading without coming up to 27 million sects like we've got. <laughs> and so well, my Pentecostal is, the Pentecostal would tend to disagree with you, mister. But <laughs> well, I certainly well, I understand that and and last time I checked I'm not a Pentecostal. But what I, I would what either. I'd say is I could, you know, quote some Romans 13 about uh trusting all leaders and believing all leaders and and Whoa. you know do some things that would really you know, take their Obama-hating down a notch or two. And uh, and so what I'm just saying is I think that anybody can benefit from context and anyone can benefit from um, looking at all these things and realizing that that we can't divorce what we've been doing to protect oil. We can't divorce that from how they're reacting to our protecting of said oil. And, you know, the, the lengths that we've gone to do all of those things, you know, I mean, I they're just, uh, unusual. I just, think it's, I just think it's weird that we went through the fads. We went through the UFO fad. We went through the Mexican go-home fad. We went through mm-hmm. the American Indian fad. We went uh-huh. through the homosexual, kill the homosexual fad. 
homosexuals mm-hmm. shouldn't be married. They're destroying the family. They're molesting the children. And then we went to another um, fad, this major Muslim fad. Right. I'm wondering how long this fad's going to go on. I'm wondering <laughs> how how much longer is this well, fad really going to go on? Into, uh, you know, I mean, at some point, when things get bad enough, we'll get back to working. You know, like we did for a short amount of time after 9/11, uh, we'll get back to working together and not um, and not um, dividing each other and finding so many reasons to find our you know, things that we object to instead of finding what were common to us. Well, I think I think people listen to the mainstream media way too much. And they sure. come up and they drink their coffee and they're like, oh, let's kill, let's kill some Muslims. Let's go kill some Muslims. Sure. You know, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're saying. And they're not really thinking, what am I looking at here? Who am I looking at here? Where are they coming from? Yeah. Where are they at? And who are they representing and who's infiltrated them? The National Security Agency, right. the Department of Justice. You know, the people are not very smart when it comes to trying to pick these things apart and see how much of it's real and how much of it's made up. Well, I mean, we did that to the Irish. We did it to the Germans. We did it to the Japanese. Japanese, it's just, yeah. It's, just, it, it's within everybody's nature to believe that, that they've got something to the um, – you know, to be fearful of, to be, um, you know, divided, to, you know, whatever it is, uh, we do that as well as we do anything. Let and me I change don't just the Americans, there's everybody. Let me, let me change the subject here and, and ask you, what do you think about psychiatrists, and I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of this battle right now, right now as we sit here, I'm in this battle. What do you think about psychiatrists and counselors labeling people delusional when they bring up forced vaccinations or chemtrails or MK Ultra or Project Paperclip or uh, maybe the moonwalk was not real, maybe it was a staged event, even though this, you know, all this scientific stuff is on the internet, you can look all this stuff up, gang stalking, uh, government mind control in its many forms, uh, laser space weapons, so now you go to your psychiatrist and he asks you, what you thinking today? And say, well, you know, there was 75 chemtrails overhead today, and I just got to looking at them and all that stronium that's coming down and all that other, all those other chemicals that are working with HARP and DARPA. He goes, hmm, severely delusional, severely delusional, stamp, severely delusional, stamp, 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 stamp. That's happening up here now, and we're in the middle of this big battle uh, uh, that if you mention anything, you mention anything outside the norm, you're labeled severely delusional. Right now, what's done about that legally? Could there be a? Shouldn't there be a a class action lawsuit brought against the psychiatric association and the counselors and psychiatrists and doctors that are doing that to these people when I can bring up all the scientific evidence on 98.8% of every single thing these patients are saying? It is true. Well, well, I think that, I mean, just like anything else, uh, some of those issues are going to have to be um, you know, dealt with in a way that the I, – I don't think that anyone should be labeled delusional for any belief without 
an understanding of why that would be the case because we do know that on you know any of these subjects that there can be things that you know I, I mean that that do deserve questioning or however you want to say it. Now, the only thing that I would just indicate on all of that is, um, yeah, I mean if there are people that are, um, you know, of course it's just so dependent on what the people say and how they say it and how they phrase of it. And, you know, of course, I mean, of course, because of course. there are people that are saying those things that are crazy. But yes. I think that I think that any time you know you would hope that anyone would would look into an issue and and you know draw their own conclusions and make their own um, you know observations. But I think that I mean I think that's kind of to me that's the opposite of what analysis or or any type of psychotherapy or whatever should be used for. I mean, it should be used for looking at I got at labeled for being reason. delusional. Do I uh-huh. sound delusional? Do I sound delusional yeah. to you when you talk to me? I'm delusional. No, not at all. I was labeled delusional for saying that I was a talk show host and that I believed in chemtrails. <laughs> wow. That seems a little bit out there. What, what and now they now they say they can't remove that from my records because that's not the way the system works. They can uh-huh. put a memo underneath our conversation and my diagnosis that says patient came in and said he was not delusional. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. But this is widespread, Dale. This is <laughs> widespread. Yeah. And well, I'm wanting to educate the psychiatrist. I'm wanting to educate. I'm in touch with the directors, and they're kind of flipping over backwards over this. They don't really know how to take it. Most of the counselors I talk to are three bricks short of a full load, half <laughs> French well, short of a half meal. There's no doubt about that. I think the, you know, when I look at any of those issues and deal with what with what's out there, the only, um, and it goes back to what I said, you know, 30 minutes ago. We, I, I do sometimes fear that by labeling things as something that we cannot have any say over any longer, that we really are giving up our um, determinism our. in the matter. And and I do think that I do think that especially um, when I see when I see that just kind of consistently throughout someone's personal philosophy, I do question how much of that is just allowing them not to feel any obligation to change anything or make anything better. That oh well. It's all predetermined. It's all, um, you know, it's the ball game's over. We just, you know, it's it's been rigged. We can't play it. And you know, the strongest thing that I and to me at that point, I think that's the point that I really stop to listen to someone because I've seen enough examples in my own personal and professional life to realize that we have more power than we know on a personal level and on a collective level and it's just that we choose not to use it 
We also I, choose not to look at science in any of this. I had these sure. discussions on many roundtables. We, 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 we've stopped looking at science. We've stopped looking at quantum mechanics and quantum physics. We've stopped looking at the basics of cosmology and astrophysics and the way the human consciousness works, being, existence, consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we, most people... Most people can't put their daily life in that type of setting. They have to put it in a complete physicality where everything is happening to me, 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 and Johnny and Joe and Sarah and Billy and Bob. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not like that at all in the hologram. It's not like that all in this four-dimensional, 14th-dimensional space. It's not like that at all in real science and quantum particle physics. So I think we need to really, and what I what I try to do on these shows is to bring people into the conversation of being and consciousness and neurology and current science. And some of them will stop at the end of the show and say, damn, Kyler, <laughs> I don't know what to say now. Yeah. I've well, been I've thinking been... about this all wrong. Well, I mean, you know, certainly you know, when... You go back to, um, I think it was was it Boswell and Doctor Johnson that uh, was yeah. was it Doctor Johnson that was walking along talking about um, you know Kant and Hume and and the different philosophies of you know is existence something that we create is it something right. that exists only within us and uh, and is it John and I, I may be wrong I, my seventh century. Um, you know, we're, we're still having that debate. Is it happening in the brain, or, or is yeah. there a collective mind outside rock, the brain? This rock is being kicked, you know, or whatever the line was. You know, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. that that's those things are, um, you know, something that that are eternal questions. It's just a matter of how they're asked. And you know, the only thing that I would say with any of that is, I think that all of that needs to at least be understood and addressed uh, within addressed. the context of, of what we're dealing with and 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 the right uh, you know the diseases that that have beset us and and the food that is poisoning us and and you know just the things that we've allowed and and to me that question of what are we allowing what what can we prevent? What could we improve on? I just believe that if someone decides, well, the chemtrails are poisoning me and this is poisoning me and that's poisoning me, and that's where that discussion ends without mm-hmm. saying, okay, now, personally, within my family unit, within my local government, within my national sphere, what is mm-hmm. it that we're doing about that? And mm-hmm. to me, you can't. You can't stop the conversation at this is what's happening. You you have to go on and understand what your reaction to it is going to be. I agree. I agree. And there are people out there. You mentioned it earlier. There are people out there on the local levels and county levels and city levels that are working on these things diligently on the front line day and night, spending their whole lives working on these issues uh, we just don't hear about them. And I think, sure. in a way, that's what keeps the universe together. 
uh, I think in a way that's what keeps us from spinning completely out of control is that there are these many little uh, <coughs> excuse me there are these many little groups and subgroups out there working on the front line on these issues. Oh, I think I think without a doubt, I think we just have to, you know. And and again, I think those are the people that are are going to be there when change is going to be affected. And yeah. and I I really do feel like on some level, you know, um, when I I really feel that we may be coming to a tipping point, kind of because of how bad this presidential field has gotten and some other things like that. I think before people could at least allow themselves to realize, well, you know, I mean, I'm thinking a long way back, but, um, you know, Jimmy Carter, yeah, I don't like him, but I don't think he's against us, you know, or Ronald Reagan, you could be a Democrat and say, well, I, I don't like him, but I don't think he's going to try to undermine what we're doing. And I just think now there's just so little consensus and so many reservations, even on the people that you kind of convince yourself you like. I mm-hmm. I think it I think that this may be kind of a turning point to say uh, we've we've got to make sure that we're electing people that we're not going to want to turn out turn out on their ear after five minutes because that's the way that the American public is just viewing these neighboring well, groups that are my, in here. My area, my area of expertise, um, professor, <laughs> is in the Illuminati, in the New World Order and these different groups that make up these different orders, these different organizations, these different groups, the cabal, if you will, the banksters, gangsters. Uh Right. That's my area of expertise, and I've been studying that, looking down deep into the books and tearing the books apart for the last 20 years. And I can tell you that there are about 6,000 people that control the planet completely and um, I can tell you that they've done a very good job in doing that and that they are doing a very 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 good job at doing that I can tell you that there are about six corporations that control every media outlet in the world I can tell you that the Central Intelligence Agency has infiltrated all mainstream media I can tell you that 98% of what you hear is bullshit in the mainstream (laughs) media. You don't get the real story. And I can tell you that we're living in illusion and a delusion every day. And it takes a person who's really smart and really has some wisdom and some passion and some energy to dig deep, 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 deep beyond the status quo of what you've been indoctrinated and programmed to believe since birth to escape this mad matrix and to get on a new pathway to where you can see things and feel things and taste things and hear things in a different way and look at things from a different perspective. And that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of practice, my friend. 
that takes yeah. a lot of practice. And I and I completely agree with that. I think that I but again, I think that it it kind of comes down to how this we, goes for how jurisprudence. This, this goes for Say jurisprudence. That, oh, I don't doubt that. Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean, if you look at how completely um the you know, I mean, to me so many of the judges in these foreclosure cases have yes. just adopted the position that, well, I paid for my mortgage, so I don't know why we're here talking about this. And, right. well, we're talking about it because there's this problem and there's this problem and there's this problem. But, you know, what I also see is I see um, some, uh, you know, some other, some things going in the right direction. And and that's why I just, you know, I, I'm continuing to um, to work on the stuff that I can work on because I just, you know, refuse to be defeated on that level. There's a lot of stuff to work on in the fraud in the mortgage fraud uh, oh, part of oh, it. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, no doubt. Tons and tons and tons and tons of agencies that have slipped their way in through the cracks. Sure. And they're earning big bucks off this scam, and yeah. the American public was asleep when it all happened from the fifties oh, on. The wheel. Sleep of the wheel, and they've added, and the legislature has added so many new laws in there that would just knock your socks off. Oh yeah. And this, when you when you get to looking at them and you study the origins of where these things came from, it just makes you want to throw up their hand in the pot. Makes you oh, I know. Throw oh, up. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I deal with every day. Yeah. You're like, how in the fuck could this be possible? Even how could? Why are these people even involved in this? <laughs> you know, you deal with that yeah. every day, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. And and again, though, I I also see, you know, I mean, I, and I've kind of had to come at it from a different angle than I thought was going to be there when I first started, but uh, you also see people that have, you know, great stories of triumph, and it's because they are not willing, you know, I mean, I just believe that you you have things that are definitely, um, are definitely not in someone's favor, but I've, I've seen that analysis go out the window so many times that I also believe there are a number of things that that you just you know that you have so much control over even in a world that might seem like chaos and you know i mean that's that's the way that i've seen it because i've seen not guilty verdicts and i've seen verdicts for plaintiffs and i've seen um you know impossible situations that have resolved and become possible because i because somebody's not been willing to let go well, let me tell you what I've seen. I've seen a lot of incompetent, stupid people trying to explain what you're trying to explain, and that's <laughs> mortgage fraud. That's mortgage fraud. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they don't know how to explain it to a fifth-grade audience. I told Ken Doss this. Ken Doss and I had a falling out, you know, because uh -huh. he was just too hyper, too hyper, too hyper, and sure. too, you know, too technical – and uh, people weren't listening to him, and, and the ones that were already knew. And I said, Jesus didn't come come to save the well. He came to save the sick. Right. You know, right. and slow down, Ken. Quit talking so damn technical. 
when you come on the air, nobody wants to hear one, two, three, eight, nine, six point five on the three FPC yeah. of the four twenty five right. of MDS. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to hear all that shit. They want to hear yeah. Sally and John bought a fucking house and they had two kids and they got screwed and here's how it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm I hoping agree. That if you're working on this, I'm hoping you guys and girls can learn to articulate your wording where a seventh grader or an eighth grader could understand it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know. <laughs> you know? Now, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that that is a huge issue. And, yes, it's and, a huge you know, issue. My, my way of looking at all of that is, um, you know, the stuff that, that really the, the courts have just let them get away with that are so elementary and that, you know, they've just found ways and rules to get around it and allow it to be, you know, what it is. But, you know, the way that I explain it is, you know, they created these specific entities, you know, called these mortgage-backed securities. Yeah, And they assigned each one of them a date. And they're mm-hmm. a trust. So the trust, you know, the the trust is just a piece of paper. It it can own what it says it can own, and it can't own what it says it can't own. Right. And what what I try to tell people is, imagine each one of these trusts that which are created within a year, <clears throat> within a certain year, and they're they're allowed to hold certain documents for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what I tell them is. Now imagine that being a plane and you've got a date for a ticket and what these banks are saying is, well, we know the plane has flown and it flew five years ago, but even though this ticket holder is standing on the ground and doesn't have the stamps on his passport, we should allow him to pretend he was on the flight that's already left. No. And and huh. to me, that's the best way to explain that is, um, you know, here it says that, okay, this flight has to leave by March 31st, 2007. And we know that this one didn't take flight until six months ago. But, Judge, they're yeah. on the same plane, even right. though that plane took off five years ago. Well, and the way I look at it is a candy store. You open the candy store with five kinds of candy or seven kinds of candy, and you sell some rice and beans along with it, and all of a Mm -hmm. sudden you get eight kinds of candy, nine kinds of candy, ten kinds of candy, eleven kinds of candy. And first thing you know, you've got 500 different kinds of candy with people buying all of this candy, but the candy's got poison in it. But you don't tell the people. You just keep letting them buy the candy. And the candy's yeah. poisoned. You may not die right away, but you might die in 20 to 30 years, you know, and you might, you know, get very sick. I'm just trying to say that there's too many agencies. Somehow, how in the hell did the American people allow e- each and every one of these rogue agencies to get their dirty hands in the pocket of a mortgage? How did we go this many years, let this happen? where every Tom, Dick, and Harry found a way to pull a cash register out of a piece of paper, an instrument. Well, and the answer is Amazon Prime and Netflix and DirecTV and um, your iPhone and your Samsung and whatever else you take 
that just ends up totally diverting you from all of those things, from feeling so powerless. Uh, because even uh, even the people that are choosing to illuminate this are still making people feel like they don't have a choice or anything they can do. And um, you know, now they, did they, they make all just, of these laws? Uh, did they make Dale? Did they make all of these statutes, ordinances, laws? Were they safe when they came in? Were they smart and said we're going to add this to the legislature? We're going to add this part to the copyright. We're going to add this copyright, and it's all legal for us to take our little our little no. money out of these. No, no. I mean, the 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 same principles of law that could easily apply to these mortgages. The judges are so mad that they're having to deal with it, that they're just adding it to whatever they want. Now, one out of ten of them oh. might take the take the standpoint that, you know, it's it's a burden that they should have to meet, but most of them are just saying, oh, nope, nope, it doesn't matter. And, you know, what I say to all of that is, guess who's also gotten dumber? Our lawmakers. The, the lawmakers, people, of course. The, the people that we choose and that we allow to represent us. in, in And the lawyers. Things. The lawyers and have the lawyers, to go to oh, school to, oh, to understand no. this. Well, don't tell me about that because most of them don't. And, um, you know, what I would just say on all of this is everybody's gotten, you know, appreciably dumber. And and we're not doing what we need to do to um, even, you know, come close to being able to address these problems. And, you know, nobody's doing that because... Uh, it's much more popular to get up here and rant about the Muslims that are so far. Not, I know you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so far, so far. Look, so far, I haven't seen you guys and girls put together a comprehensive group that makes any sense at all right. concerning. Totally agree. It seems like you're all trying to impress each other with your knowledge. Well, you know That's what? what it, and I've looked I, at twenty-five what? sites. Oh, I, I mean, I, I mean, listen, I don't think you can um, do anything but in, indict the way that all of that has been put together. And I, I don't have a problem at all with saying that, you know, the, the way that trial lawyers have done that's been very successful of banding together and sharing information and, yes. Um, yes. and not letting egos get in the way, that has right. totally not been done in these and you know i mean part of it is that um, it's just are you familiar with don are, are you familiar with uh, uh i mentioned his name a while ago um i've heard the name i i don't know him though well i pissed him off because i said look you're trying to impress me on my show you're trying to impress me i said don't try to impress me express to me teach tell Tell the people exactly what is going on here, so we can all come away with a with a with a basic understanding of what is going on and what needs to be done to mm -hmm. fix it. And who's out yeah. there on the front line trying to fix it? And show me some examples of people that have succeeded. Show me those examples and bring them in, and let's look A to Z how that worked in the court. And I haven't been able to get that done. No, you know, and the thing is that most many of the sites are offering half-baked or less, you know, real analyses of the law, and then everybody's right. a lawyer, and everybody 
tells you that they know more about this than you do. Right. And, uh, you yeah. know, in whatever, in whatever condition it, it ends up coming in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it just, and, and it's that ultimate level of, it's kind of the ultimate postmodern problem in that it's developed in the age that the lawyers aren't allowed to be the lawyers because the judges are cutting them off on one side and their own clients are cutting them off on the other. That's and, true. That's true. That's and, true. Um, and so that's the thing that I dislike the most. But I've also had some tremendous victories for individuals who've, you know, seen the system work in, in their favor, but it's because mm-hmm. they didn't give up, because they weren't unreasonable, because they were um you I'm, know, because they were able to do what, what they needed to do to prevail even when the decks are stacked against them. I'm hearing successes uh, over the last couple of weeks. I've been seeing success after success after success coming through. You ought to get in touch with Mary Dieters. Uh, uh-huh. Write that down. You ought to get in touch sure. with Mary Dieters and uh-huh. get in touch with Ken Dost. He is an expert. He's been... He's been doing this years now. He's been immersed in this. He's a former architect sure. and gave up everything. Ken Dost, D-O-S-T. Uh-huh. And you can probably get along with him, with Ken, better than I can. You can tell him Kyler <laughs> sent you. Uh, yeah, okay, I sure will. Even if you look at his page, you'll be amazed, I think, at the stuff that he's found. I think you'll really be amazed as an attorney uh-huh. what he's brought forth. Sure, yeah. Well, I always like to do that and look at that and, you know, see what people are doing and having success with. And, and if he's not they're... too pissed off, you and I'll have him back on the show in a few weeks and we'll all <laughs> talk about it. You know. There you go. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, Kyler Davenport on with Dale Wiley, and uh, this is Alternative Public Radio International. We have many platforms out there. Most of my fans know who we are. Uh, we've gone from uh, 6,000 post-reach down to 154 post-reach, back up to 1,444 with an engagement of 164, and we're back up on top again. We're going to try to stay there. I'm going to bring this board up to 5,000 by tomorrow night at midnight if it kills me. Uh, Ken and I, uh, Ken and I, Dale, Dale and I have been talking about a lot of interesting things tonight, really good show and we want you all to tune in for the roundtables. I think we're going to, well, Dale and I will talk uh, tomorrow about what would be the best night to have these. We want to bring on at least two other people to the roundtable. Dale, you keep that in mind, too, somebody okay. that might fit here in the mix. And we want to run the gamut, ladies and gentlemen. We want to talk about things uh, that count with people who care. We want to talk about uh, sex, uh, relationships, uh Healthcare. We want to talk about marriage and divorce. We want to talk about quantum physics and quantum mechanics. A lot of you guys and girls like for us to kind of hit on some of that latest technology that's going on. A lot of science. Um, education is one of my big deals I like to talk about. I love to talk about social services and sociology. We love to talk about state legislatures and how effective they are in creating bills and and laws and how that works and why it works and why it doesn't work and how you all can get more involved at the grassroots level 
and we try to give you some empowerment, some self-empowerment like Dale was talking about. You are empowered. You do have it inside you. You just need to let go of it, and you need to try and fit something in. Playing on Facebook all day is not going to solve the problems. <laughs> Playing on Farmville all day, petting your digital cats not going to do the job. You need to get out there on the front line, and you can do that on digital media if you just think just a little bit about what's going on. And most of you know that my PTSD is doing a little better. My dead bodies are still chasing me from my forensic science days and when I was an emergency medical technician, advanced cardiac life support paramedic. My dead bodies are chasing me, but not as bad uh, for the last few weeks. I'm back on air. I'm here to stay. You all always lift me up when I get down and my body's chased me around too much. You bring me back to square one. Dale, I want to thank you for coming on tonight um, on such short notice. And I hope that you liked me well enough or didn't, and you'll either come back or not. <laughs> well, no, I enjoyed it very much. It was a, it was a great conversation. And um, check out DaleWiley.com, um, buy, buy some of the books. Uh, right now, um, you know, a book that kind of has some of the elements, stuff we talked about called Kissing Persuasive Lips, which ends up kind of having a bankster story in it, is, is free on I, uh, you know, iBooks and Amazon and everywhere else. And then I've got a couple others and another book I'll have to tell you about uh, that's coming out next year called Southern Gothic. And um, so, yeah, looking forward to all of it. I had a great time, and we should definitely do it again. Yeah, and I'll put those books out. I've got a book out, too. Um, I'll put yeah. those books on all the platforms and be talking okay. about them. And yeah. I'll run them up on 14 or 15 platforms tonight, and we'll see what happens okay. on that. And, of course, that's, that's what great. this roundtable is about. You sure. should come on and promote your promote your stuff. So, sure. and like I said, we're we're in limbo land here on TalkShoe tonight. Nobody follows us over here, I don't think. But there are several hundred people listening on their iPhones. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, and Dale, thank you. And remember, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, and enthusiastically act upon will come to pass, ladies and gentlemen. Remember that it's worked in my life, and I'm sure it's worked in Dale's. And it can yes, work in yours. Thank you, Dale. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. Bye bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.